Uh, we are going to continue our series on the Holy Spirit. Um, <clears throat> we'll finish it up next week. Uh, last couple weeks we've talked about being Spirit-led and how that all works. We went through some FAQs on being Spirit-led, like what's it like to be Spirit-led, and so we talked about the still small voice and other counterfeit voices that we want to watch out for. How does it go wrong? You know, uh, it can really go wrong, right? I mean, people can think they're being led by God when they're clearly not. And so we, we talked about how unstable people can really mess up that thing of being led by God. Uh, we talked about, I don't seem to be hearing anything and, and how do I learn and that sort of stuff. And, and uh, the biggest thing is, Seek and obey. If you ask God to show you something and He shows you something, do it. You know, that's how you get better at that. Fairly simple. Um, but we spent a couple weeks on that. And uh, if you want, if you had, haven't, uh, weren't here for that, it's on the internet. You can listen to the sermons. Um, next week, we're going to finish up with talking about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It'll be it'll be fun and encouraging and uplifting and uh, uh, as far as that goes with that particular subject matter. But one of the things I don't want people to do is to be afraid that they have committed an unpardonable sin and thus walk away from God. That's a huge tragedy. It's a trick of the enemy, and so um, we'll talk about that. Here's the here's the nugget. If you are afraid that you have committed the unpardonable sin then you haven't because your concern about that demonstrates that you haven't done that. And we'll get into that more um, next time. This week, we're going to talk about battling unclean spirits. Just like uh, old Barney Fife had to deal with those guys that were uh, you know, coming in and tricking him and had nefarious intent. Uh, so we have a battle that we fight in this life. And we want to, of course, connect with the Holy Spirit of God, the great counselor, the comforter, our helper. Um, but there are more spiritual forces than the Holy Spirit at play. And so we need to be aware of what's going on and we need to know how to defend ourselves and connect with the right things. So, just... Uh, by way of the obvious, there is a spirit world, right? <laughs> there is a spirit world. There are lots of things going on in the unseen that we just can't be directly aware of. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the word spirit in the Bible means breath. And it's talking about the unseen things that have an impact, like the breath of life. If somebody's breathing, they're alive. And you, you know, you can't see it, except I suppose here in the, in the cold, you can see your breath, but, uh, you can't see it. It's invisible. And yet, life is there through that spirit. And spirit is a broad term in the Bible that really applies to anything unseen. And so, the Holy Spirit, of course, spirit. Angels and demons are spirits. Uh, but even in the Scriptures, you see the word spirit and it, it seems to apply to emotions or attitudes and things like that as well. So it's a, it's a very broad term yeah, when it's used in the Scriptures. And so it's important to look at the context and get a feel for what's being talked about. 
Um, because I think if somebody has an unclean spirit in the scriptures, it may mean that they have a, a demonic presence that's tormenting them, but it could also mean that they're, you know, very depressed or things like that. So, so there's a broad enough application of that word to include any of those types of things uh, when you look scripturally. Now, uh, did you know the unseen world is different now than it was in Bible times? I'm going to explain that. So, do you know there are living beings in this room that we can't see that can make you sick? Did you know that? Yeah, they're, they're germs. We call them germs. And uh, in Bible times, they were unseen. But now we've got microscopes and we can see, we can see them. You know, we've been able to peer into what in those days was unseen and be able to see it. And this is true in a lot of different ways. I was watching a thing about electricity and electricity they thought was just magic, you know, like, because you can't see it. You flip a switch, the lights come on. How does that work? You know, before you burn the kerosene, it all made sense. Now electricity, it's unseen. We have an awareness of a lot of things. Dark matter is another one that I think is great. I think we're tech, through technology, we're getting deeper into the spirit world. Did you know that there's only about 20 or 25% of the mass necessary in the universe to hold it together? There's more gravity than there is mass to create that gravity by a huge margin. And so they've created in scientific circles a concept called dark matter. And that's matter that we can't see but produces a gravitational field and thus holds the galaxies together and holds the universe together. Well, what's that? There are things that we can't see. And scientifically, we're getting more and more understanding of the things that we can't see. But in Bible times, they didn't see any of those things. And yet the scriptures accurately describe these types of things. So, um, <clears throat> boy, one of the big questions is, so what's in the spirit world? What is this? You know, is there a whole bunch of stuff or is there just a little bit of stuff or, or what's going on? And they argued about that in New Testament times as well. We're going to go to Acts chapter 23, verse 8. This is a scripture talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and what they believed. And verse 8 of Acts 23 says, The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. So these were different sects of Judaism, different followers of Jehovah God, and one group said, there's God, but there isn't all this other messy stuff. The other group said, yeah, there's God, but there's also angels and demons and the afterlife and a whole bunch of stuff going on. And I think that's true in Christian circles today as well. There's people don't even think that the devil is real. You know, you're really setting yourself up for problems if you don't believe the devil is real. Because you're going to have to take your stand and if you don't think the devil's real, you're not going to take your stand against the devil. And so you're going to be set up for failure. We need to be aware of what our battle is. And biblically speaking, angels are real. Angels came and talked to people. Demons are real. Demons come and torment people. Uh, the afterlife is real. Isn't that good news? 
You know, Christianity isn't just a a coping mechanism to help you get through your miserable life. What this is, is this is an opportunity for us to grab hold of eternal life. I like that. I'm excited about that personally. You know, I'm looking forward to meeting people like Peter and the Apostle Paul. I'm excited about that. Uh, I want to know what it's like to have a glorified body. You know what I mean? Now that mine is getting a little bit older, I'm still doing okay. You know, don't get too concerned. I, I'm, I'm still, I'm looking forward to what is that? It's compared to the difference between an acorn and an oak tree. This is a seed. What is the glorified body going to be like? I'm excited about that. I want to find out about that. I'm looking forward to that. There are lots of things going on that we don't see from our perspective. And those things are real. Um, <clears throat> oh man. Now, we don't want to get flying off into ditches, right? This is We talked about last time that unstable people can really mess up the hearing from God thing. How about angels and demons? Unstable people can really mess that up. Right? Have you, I imagine you've probably seen some of that. But I mean, there is not a demon in every Kleenex box. It's just a simple fact that it's not uh, how it is. And also, did you know that our God has no match? That Satan is not even close to our God. That our God is above all and beyond all and over all. And it's not like God is one step ahead of Satan and he's right here. It's, it's not even close. Satan is not powerful compared to God. And so we don't need to have any fear of dark forces, of satanic influences, because our God is greater. And he's a lot greater. So we need to not be afraid. But we need to be aware and we need to know what to do. So let's ask the question, what difference does this make for me? Okay, there's the spirit world. What, what, what does that do for me? What do I need to worry about that for? And um, <clears throat> we'll figure that out by asking this question. What is our struggle against? We have a struggle, right? As believers, we're fighting a fight. We're fighting the good fight of the faith. This fight, this struggle, is with who? With what? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And it says this, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Isn't it good that we have an armor from God that makes us able to take our stand against the devil's schemes? This doesn't say, and you never know, maybe it'll work out for you. It says that we will be able to take our stand. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Just leave that up there for a while. Alright, so, is our struggle against flesh and blood? No. Oh, if the followers of Christ could figure this one out, wouldn't that be great? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. 
Yeah, but this political party says this. Our struggle is not against people. Yeah, but the, the bosses are doing this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Yeah, but this other religious group is saying our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We are fighting for people, not against people. The people who are the farthest separated from God are the ones we should struggle for the most. Because they need our help. They need a touch from God. They need to know who the living God is. And our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Jesus did not fight against people. He died for people. And if we are followers of Christ, we have the same attitude. But there is a struggle. And this is against rulers, authorities, and powers, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. How do you feel about that struggle? This is describing a big variety of demonic and evil forces. All the way from rulers. Ones who... Uh, now, I don't want to get hyper-specific. You know what I mean? Like, when you, when you come up with a thousand different specific things and you explain everything to the minute detail that's not in the Scriptures, you end up being wrong. You know what I mean? But here's the deal. There are, there are big dog demons and there are run-of-the-mill, everyday little imps. And this is describing the whole variety in between. From the rulers to just evil forces. And so what I'm going to mostly talk about today is the little ones that pester us. Not about the big ones. You know, we battle the big ones with armies of believers. And so the the body needs to come together to battle the big ones. But we battle the little ones in our everyday life. And so we need to be able to go against those spiritual forces of evil. That when it says evil, um, that can be translated a lot of different ways. Um, wickedness is how it's translated some. The best probably idea behind it is it involves malice. It involves wanting to hurt. It can be wanting to hurt yourself, hurt somebody else, but malicious spiritual forces that want to influence us. Um, <clears throat> did you know that Satan has a will for your life? God has a will for your life, but Satan has one too. We don't want to do his will. We want to do God's will. Very important to understand that. And so, <clears throat> Satan, his will... It's fairly clear. You know how Jesus came to give us life and life to the full, life more abundantly. Satan is here to steal, kill, and destroy. And so his will for us is that we get involved in and perpetuate stealing, killing, and destroying. He wants us to rob from other people. He wants us to destroy other people. He wants us to destroy ourselves. He wants us to hate God, hate ourselves, and hate each other. That's Satan's will. 
And so we don't want to fall for his tricks. We don't want to fall for his schemes. We want to be able to defend ourselves against that. So we have to struggle against the rulers, authorities, powers, and forces of evil, right? We have to struggle against them. Now, the good news again is that our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is more than any dark force in the spirit realm. So, how you guys doing? Doing good? Trying not to scare anybody? Crazy preacher man talking about demons and such. Uh, but here's the deal. Man, oh man, we need to be free. And I got to tell you, there isn't anyone who hasn't been approached and influenced by evil spirits. There isn't anyone. And how does that happen? They go looking for you. Did you know that? They go looking for you. Let's read a couple of verses. 1 Peter 5.8. How does this happen? 1 Peter 5.8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Does that sound scary? I'm going to show you the good news in this verse because there's good news in there. First thing, be self-controlled and alert because there is someone looking for you. However, can Satan just devour whoever he wants? No. He's got to look. He's got to seek. He's got to prowl. He's got to, you know, go and be scary and do those things because you're just not automatically susceptible to the enemy. He's got to seek and find people who have an open door. The good news is, is that he doesn't just get to take you. You've got to be willing or you've got to be open at least. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Matthew 12 43 and 40, 43 through 45, <clears throat> Jesus is talking. And he says, When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. So this poor person that's being described here gets the evil spirit out of them and then just is living their happy life. And then they come back. There's no indication that this person went out to find any evil spirits. But that they were there, the evil spirits were looking for places to go. Hey, the house was swept clean, put in order. What's the problem with that? The house needed to have been occupied. The Holy Spirit needed to be inside that person and overflowing. And then the house is full. And the evil spirits can't come in. The tormenting spirits. The harassing spirits. When it talks about evil spirits tormenting people or vexing people, the, word, the root word of that is to mob. To mob somebody. And it just means really to harass or even to annoy. That's what, what's being described here. It's just a group of evil spirits coming to harass and annoy somebody. They go looking for you. 
They also try to fool and trap people. They try to fool us. We have to struggle against being tricked by the enemy. 2 Corinthians 2, 6-11. through You remember 1 Corinthians, Paul yelled at them for letting a certain sin go. Remember that? Some, yeah. Anyway, in 1 Corinthians, Paul just yells at them like super bad. Well, how could you let this sin happen in your church? And then uh, I assume this is the same situation. Some people say it isn't, but either way, this is a situation where somebody was caught in a sin and they were rebuked, apparently very, very harshly. And so now Paul's having to, to help them understand the, the point isn't to just be really mad at somebody. The point is to restore and to bring people back to a good place. And so 2 Corinthians 2, 6, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. The reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Much softer language there than in 1 Corinthians. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So Paul is warning the Corinthians to not be outwitted by Satan. How could Satan outwit them? By creating division through somebody doing something wrong and not being restored, but just being ostracized. That's part of Satan's plan to get us to hate each other, to separate from each other, even when somebody does something wrong. When somebody does something wrong, we want to forgive them and restore them. They've got to take it seriously, and apparently that happened. And then Paul was saying, now, okay, reaffirm your love for this person. Because we don't want to be caught in division because that's a scheme of the devil to break up the body of Christ. We don't want to be fooled into separating. You know that the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. Amen? The only way we can lose is if we self-destruct from the inside through tricks of the devil. 2 Timothy 2, 23-26. We got another trap. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. I, I have two degrees in philosophy, so I understand this verse very clearly. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Next verse. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. There are various traps of the devil to pull us into a sinful life, to pull us away from God. Um, let me describe one of them real quick. Some people, they have sort of a soft belief in God, and then something bad happens to them in their life. And then they think, God, why did you do this bad thing to me? When really it was the devil who did that to them. And then the devil says, see what a jerk God is? And then they go, yeah, God is a jerk. If he's not going to be nice to me, why would I follow him in the first place? And so then the devil says, right, you should just come with me. And then he goes, 
Yeah, I am going to go with you. Because, you know, and gets all mad and then walks away from God. So the devil will hurt people, get people to blame God, and then take them to go with him. That's a trap. It's a trick. Our God is good. Amen. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. It's the devil who steals, kills, and destroys. You see stealing, killing, and destroying going on. You get mad at the devil. Don't get mad at God. It's just a trip. A, a trip. Trap that tricks you is a trip. There you go. There's gonna there's gotta be a there's gotta be a turn of phrase or joke in there somewhere. We'll find it. <clears throat> How do you get rid of these things? We're gonna jump to James four seven here in just a second, but if I could say one thing is that people go through unnecessary torment in this life. Some people think, well, I'm a Christian, therefore there are no dark forces that can influence me in any way. Baloney. There's all kinds of Christians that deal with dark forces because they seek you out. And man, oh man, if the devil can get you to hate yourself, he'll do it. He's mean that way. If the devil can get you to hate other Christians, he'll do it. He's mean that way. If the devil can get you to hate God, he'll do it. He's mean that way. And there are just little imps and little demons that will whisper in your ear and tell you things that are lies and that aren't true or that are half-truths. Um, how do we defend ourselves against that? we got to know... What's going on, right? We've got to be aware. There are schemes. If I love the Barney Fife thing. Man, if he'd have known they were playing him, he could have just laughed and sat at the desk and nothing bad would have happened. But he sprung into action and messed everything up. We need to see the devil's schemes, be aware of that. And then let's look at James 4, 7. How do we get rid of these unclean spirits? How do we battle against them? James 4, 7, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I want, I want that to sink in for a second. What does the Bible say? It says you have the power. Just you. Think of who you are. You know, where did you go to elementary school? That person, you know, if it's me who got 19 wrong out of 20 on many, many spelling tests, that person has the power to resist the devil and make him flee. You have the power to resist the devil and make him flee if you have submitted to God. Very important to have that part down. Otherwise, you get the seven sons of Shiva situation, if you're familiar with that. We must submit to God, get under His authority. It's sort of like joining the army. You join the army, then you belong to the United States of America. You belong to the military. You, you have something happen to you. The army comes to your aid. You know, if we are in the body of Christ and we take our stand, God is on our side. 
It's not that you and yourself have the ability to make the devil flee. It's that you, under Christ, with him standing behind you, going like this to the enemy, makes the devil flee. Isn't that amazing? You can resist the devil and he will flee. Did you know the Bible doesn't say, ask God to take care of your devil problems. It says, you do it. You resist the devil. You're the one who has to do it. You have to fight against the enemy. Now, how do you resist the devil? Simple. I'm going to give you the simple, short answer. If you are dealing with dark forces, even if it's just unclean spirits in the sense of a bad attitude, you know, maybe it's not even a demonic force or, you know, something like that, but there can be unclean attitudes. All the way down to even that sort of thing. Two important things. Shut up. Get out. It's really that simple. You got a thought you know shouldn't be in there. Shut up and get out. You've got a, a feeling of anxiety. Shut up. Get out. You know, you have to... I don't want to get too weird, but it's helpful to speak out loud. You know, and if you're dealing with these sorts of things and you want to get free, you want to get free from the vexing of unclean spirits, you tell them to leave. Say, shut up. I'm not listening to you. Get out. That might seem weird, but give it a try when you're all by yourself. <laughs> you're driving down the road and, you know, you have a, something like that happen. You just tell it, shut up and get out and see what happens. All right. And then when you get some confidence, you can start helping other people. Oh, I'm dealing with this issue. You know, I've got all this anxiety. All right, well, we're going to pray. And, you know, it's one thing like, it's different if you're praying for healing and it's merely physical. But it's different if you're praying and you're having to get rid of something that shouldn't be there. You know, we don't... Um, pray exactly the same way when it's a deliverance situation versus when it's just a healing situation. We need to resist the devil. Did you know that, that evil spirits can make you sick? Remember the woman that was bent over for 18 years? It says it was a spirit that bound her and Jesus cast the spirit out and then she could stand up straight. Huh. Interesting stuff. Sometimes we need to say, shut up and get out, rather than, Lord, you know, heal this back. It can be spirits that we have to deal with. You're still doing okay, aren't you? I hope so. Yeah. Because there's these things, these things are real, and we want to be sure that we're aware of them. And I don't want to uh, get too funny, but man, oh man, if you can get free from a vexing spirit, that is way better than if you live your life bound by that, tormented by that, harassed by that. Ooh. So we want to resist the devil. We want to resist evil forces. We want to say, shut up and get out. And then... We want to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is 
This is the primary way that we battle against the enemy is by being filled with the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and whatever else might be on the list, those things are the opposite of these vexing spirits. So when we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, the house will be overflowing and rivers of living water will be coming out and any dark influences that want to get in aren't going to have room. And I should tell a testimony. I've got a friend who uh, I still have contact with to this day and I'm hoping to go to Cuba with. It would be great to go to Cuba. I want to go to Cuba. Anyway, uh, separate thing. Uh, that's exciting to me. Anyway, in uh, 2001 about, so we're looking at 14 years ago, he came to a, a church meeting, an evening meeting, and uh, we had an evangelist in, and he went up for prayer. He'd been diagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder and was on 50% disability with the military and was having trouble. And so he came up and said, well, I'm bipolar. I need to, if you're praying for people, pray for me. So the evangelist guy just said, get out. And he was like, something just left. And so he's like, okay, what's that? Two weeks later, he said, the thing came back in the room. And he learned his lesson. He's like, get out. And it left. 14 years ago, not a problem since. Not a problem since. Bipolar. He went to the military because he's getting disability. This is the funniest thing ever. Uh, He goes to the military and he's like, you know, I'm not sure that you guys are going to understand this, but I feel guilty taking disability because I don't feel like I'm disabled anymore because, you know, God took care of my bipolar. And they're like, okay, well, that's good to hear. You have a nice day. And they sent him on his way. And so the next month he gets a letter in the mail from the VA, you know, and he was 50% disabled. He opens it up. It talks about his appointment, says now has been determined to be 80% disabled. (laughs) It's like, well, I did what I could. So his <laughs> Sometimes people don't understand things like that, but God is good. He does mighty things. He does mighty things. And when you see things like that, you know he could be a believer and be dealing with these issues the rest of his life and still go to heaven. Or he could be free. He's free. Let's be free. I'm going to close. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. The point of all this is that if you're dealing with unseen internal battles, there is hope in Jesus. Do you understand that? There is hope in Jesus. Depression, anxiety, fear, desires to hurt other people, bad self-image, any of these sorts of things can be resisted and we can win in Christ. They can be overcome. The fruit of the Spirit is the weapon against all of these things. Um, I'm going to close with Ephesians 5.18. That's what we're going to do for the closing Scripture. 
Ephesians 5.18. It says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. When we're going through these vexings, we need to medicate one way or another, right? Just to get through the day. Is wine the answer? A lot of people try that. It doesn't turn out in the long run to be very helpful. What's the answer? The answer is the Holy Spirit of God. The answer is to be filled with the Spirit. Then we can receive all these good things from the living God. So let's pray. Um, I'm going to just pray with the group and close and then open the front up for personal prayer. If you've got a personal prayer need, come up and receive prayer. It's, man, we don't receive because we do not ask. Let's be people who ask. Heavenly Father, we give You praise and we honor You. I thank You for Your power. I thank You for Your strength. I thank You that there is no match for You in this world or in the spirit world. There is, there is no force, no power that is even close to You. And You are magnificent and mighty and strong. So we honor You and we give You praise. And Lord, I pray that You would show us how to resist the enemy, each one individually. Show us what we need to deal with so that we can speak it out and get the job done. And Lord, help us to pray one for another. Help us to, to speak that out over each other as we, uh, as we advance in these types of things and start to see the freedom of it. Lord, help us to walk in Your ways. I pray a blessing over each one in this place. Help us to grab hold of Your truth and to live our lives serving You in the power that You provide. So bless us and give us strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The front is open for prayer. Come on down, receive prayer. Otherwise, you are dismissed. Have a wonderful day. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord.